Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This episode is brought to you by the Town of Vail and hosted by Manor Vail Lodge, important partners of the 2018 Vail Dance Festival. I'm Rebecca King-Ferraro. And I'm Michael Breeden, and you're listening to Conversations on Dance. Well, good morning, everyone. Thank you for coming out, and welcome to Festival Forums. Uh, we're so excited to give you a behind-the-scenes look at the Vail Dance Festival today. My name is Michael Breeden. And I'm Rebecca Ferraro, and we are here um, conducting these live interviews, and we are also doing some podcast recording. We are former Miami City Ballet dancers and the hosts of the podcast Conversations on Dance. So all of these live events and the interviews that we conduct with the artists will be live on our website and on iTunes if you would like to find those later. (laughs) So we are joined today by the artistic director of the Vail Dance Festival, Damien Wetzel, and now in her third year choreographing here at the festival, Claudia Schreier, who has a new work premiering tomorrow on the Now Premieres program. So hopefully all of you will be out there to check it out. <laughs> so before we get started, we will be opening uh, the floor to questions from our audience after we finish our questions for Claudia and Damien. So if you have anything in mind, hang on to it and we will get to you. So Damien, let's start with you. You became the artistic director of Vail Dance Festival in 2007. How did that opportunity come about and what made you eager to accept it? Well, first, thanks so much for being here again. Second uh, thanks year, for having, having us. Pleasure. Of you here. Thank you for having I think us. it adds such an important element to get to kind of have this, this conversation on dance. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also about dance in the world. It's dance here, but it has uh, lots of different layers to it that mm-hmm. I really appreciate. Uh, and it relates to your question because to me, when I first came here to Vail, it was as a dancer. So I, mm-hmm. I came thinking it was another gig, basically. I had mm-hmm. a CD, I had a costume. I think I told them the uh, audience last night, first thing I danced here was Stars and Stripes, uh, which was on the program last night with uh, Joe and Unity. Uh, and I remember thinking, you know, this is a very different gig <laughs> uh, <laughs> because the weather was a little challenging. I remember that. The theater had not been, uh, it was in its first stage of renovation and rain actually uh, came in differently, shall we say? <laughs> uh, <laughs> translation more. Uh, and But there was something else about it that 
what you did on that stage at the Gerald Ford Amphitheater, while it may have been familiar, I danced stars everywhere, uh, it felt different. It was just a different setting. The, mm -hmm. the naturalness of it, the enthusiasm of the audience uh, was a little bit more uh, infectious in some way. There was just something about it that was different. So that was my first experience, and that was in 1993. Uh, and I came back periodically every two or three years. I'd, I'd do another gig. Uh, here and then one year they asked me uh, to bring a group of dancers. So I brought a group of dancers from City Valley and we put together a, a performance uh, which had actually a premiere on it as I recall. And you know I had this sense of this, this little beautiful jewel starting to develop you know from a one performance festival mm -hmm. which is what it was to something that uh, by the time they, they asked me to become the director was up to about five or six performances. And I, so I'd watched it develop, and I could really see the potential. And that's uh, when, when it started to get real. I thought, wow, this is a wonderful lab. It's a place where you, know, you can do things in a special uh, space that's mm -hmm. going to be different than anywhere else. And I loved that idea. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So how did it happen that you were offered the position? You know, uh, how do these things happen? <laughs> I mean, I, was it a point in my career where I was, uh, I was in my mid-30s at New York City Ballet? I was at the time also going to the Kennedy School at Harvard uh, where I was pursuing a master's in public administration. I was juggling a lot. So, you know, that thing when you want to get something done, ask a busy person, that was definitely that moment. Uh, <laughs> and I remember thinking, well, that's really going to be tough. And then I started to break it down and have conversations about what it could be. And as soon as we got to that place of the what if, I was in. It was yeah. like, yeah. well, this is going to be something special. Right? Yeah. So, Claudia, what was it that first brought you here to the Bell Dance Festival? Festival. <laughs> what? <laughs> Not what, but who, I guess, yeah. <laughs> um, it was very much what he was talking about. I think he said in a nutshell, it's uh, Damien sees the potential in things in a way that no one else does. Mm -hmm. And <clears throat> I owe so much of my, my, not only my career, um, but my passion and my, my vision for myself for the future and for my colleagues because of how Damien sees others and how he sees the potential of art and how he uh, perceives collaboration. And so I am I'm here because I have learned how to kind of stop saying no to myself and no to opportunities and look for the, the hidden potential in things. Mm -hmm. Something that I think is so wonderful and special about you here at the festival is that you started as an intern, mm -hmm. is that right? Yeah. So um, what, was, what was that first year like? Were you just, <coughs> did that, um, did you have an idea in your head at that point that, gosh, it would be so great to participate as an artist here? Absolutely, but kind of in that dream scenario where you're, you know, I was sitting there and uh, watching Chris Wielden choreograph in the theater mm -hmm. um, and watching Wendy Whalen do After the Rain, During the Rain as it's falling. Uh -oh. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite memories. Uh, and, you know, as a young artist, you, you grew up as a ballet dancer, you're starting from age two or three, and of course you have that urge and that desire to do and make and create, uh, but to actually be here now and to have it all come to pass, it's, it's, it's surreal every day, and I, I never take it for granted. Yeah. So, Damien, once you did accept the position and you saw the potential that was here at Vail, how did you start to hone your specific vision for the future and moving forward? Well, I think the first thing that I was thinking about was what, what makes Vail special? Why would it be special? Why isn't it not just, you know, a place where people go and do things they always do? Mm -hmm. So that led to very quickly kind of a, you know, very personal 
kind of take on what I, and I was still dancing, so what would mm -hmm. I want as a dancer if I was coming here? And that led to, you know, the ideas of the unique things that could happen. Uh, and the first year, uh, probably the, the marquee kind of unique thing was the launch of Christopher Wilden's company, which uh, Claudia just mentioned, which was Morphosis the Wilden Company. Mm -hmm. And uh, Chris, I knew he had been gestating this idea, and we started talking about it, and he had, you know, a plan for how this company could exist in different areas of the world at different times of the year. And uh, we agreed that we would launch this right here in Vail. Mm -hmm. So they, he brought together a group of dancers. They were here for the entire festival, uh, making new work, putting them, putting it together, essentially. So it became a thing like you kind of had to be here. Right. Uh, and that felt like the, the initial, you know, foray into that. But right. along the way, you know, those, that initial gala evening that I danced on Stars and Stripes, again, we were already in that business of what do we do differently here? Who do we pair differently? Who's going to dance mm -hmm. with who? They've never met before they get here. You know, what can yeah. we make right. that you kind of want to uh, be here to see it? And, uh, and then secondarily to that was always a thought of what's next and how does this go out into the world? So in one way, it's like, okay, a new work gets made here. Good. We hope that that then goes on and has a life somewhere else so that we've been a part of the creative process. Mm -hmm. Same thing with partnerships, same thing with the development of, of people. Mm -hmm. um, and I think about Claudia uh, in this context very much. Uh, and I think the, the, the initial challenges, of course, where we're ramping up, you know, I think we added, we almost doubled the number of performances from one year to the next. Wow. So we needed... Uh, more people <laughs> needed to do this mm -hmm. and uh, as I said we were I was coming off of the Harvard experience and my wife Heather Watts uh, former ballerina for Mr. Balanchine had pioneered a course at Harvard uh, yeah she totally won up to me I was going to school and she became a member of the faculty <laughs> uh, and she had this crazy course that was oversubscribed like 35 uh, young students learning about Balanchine historically through the decades and Claudia was one of those kids and so when we started thinking about, you know, what's the, who can help with this, it was really clear that there was an opportunity to take some of these young people mm -hmm. from the classroom, so to speak, to the arena. Mm -hmm. right. And Claudia was one of the first interns here. Uh, and then she explained to me later that I knew her from a past experience when she was a little girl in Stanford uh, Nutcracker, and oh. she brought a picture of me signing oh. her sweatshirt. Oh my gosh. Uh, oh dear. Uh, <laughs> How do you feel that your approach to um, Veil was different because you were a dancer, maybe, than it would have been if you had started after your career? Well, I mean, I think there's a tremendous advantage, first of all, that I danced here. Uh, mm -hmm. So when people come for the first time, I can, ex I can explain it to them. I'd send a letter every year to all the dancers saying, okay, here's what you have to be ready for. And it's built on that. Mm -hmm. It's not just theoretical. You right. know, it's like, yes, there's altitude. Yes, you drink water. You know, all those kind of things. <laughs> but there's also a sense of, like, this is a continuum. And I'm mm -hmm. a part of that continuum as a mm -hmm. dancer. And I did, in fact, dance the first two years I was director. And I did my last, what I would call, official performance here. Uh, mm -hmm. And that's, you know, another example. I remember I finished at City Ballet in June of 2008. Uh, I had one gig in Italy um, for Alessandra Ferry. I went and did Suite of Dances, which mm -hmm. Hermann premiered <laughs> yeah. here. Mm -hmm. uh, and I've passed my costume to him now. Which <laughs> is, you know, feels great to do. Uh, and... I thought, you know, I'd always had an idea that I wanted to finish uh, with Sinatra Suite for some reason. This was this ballet that uh, Twyla Tharp made for uh, Baryshnikov. And yeah, I wouldn't say I'd always had the idea, but I'd got, it got planted in my head. 
And, you know, the, the final dance is to one for my baby, one mm. more for the road. And he takes his jacket and walks off the stage. Mm-hmm. And I thought, that's cool. Let's yeah. do that. <laughs> uh, so, but who was I going to do that with? You know, all that. And I had, I had this partnership that had developed over the last years of my career with Tyler Peck, who was then uh, all of 18. <laughs> and uh, I thought, this is perfect. Mm-hmm. So I finished here on that stage with Tyler and uh, picked up my jacket and walked off. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I always think about that as like, that was my next step. Mm-hmm. And so that's the entire philosophy. What's the next step for any person in this little world that we get to make, mm-hmm. this community, and that includes the audience. Mm-hmm. You know, what's the next step for them? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think there was a jump made right at the beginning, starting with Morphosis, that it was not something tried and true wasn't mm-hmm. something that everybody was going to go, bing, that's it, yeah. check. <laughs> gonna, it was like, what are they going to make? How is it going to go? How do we explain to a local audience in Vail, Colorado, the importance of launching Christopher Wielden's company? You know, mm-hmm. why is that something? And that audience embraced it, and it's been our ticket that we could always count on the audience going with us for a new challenge. Mm-hmm. You know, whether it's new works, new music, uh, you know, community events that, you know, you try. I remember our first Dancing in the Streets was like a West Side Story ballroom thing. And we thought, you know, how's this going to go? And on the Ana- International Bridge, it started raining. Everybody was dancing out on the bridge. Mm-hmm. It was like, you know, <laughs> we've been so lucky to have those chances to try these things out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How does that, Claudia, for you as a creator here, um, knowing that the audience is so receptive to new ideas and um, that you're not going to get the same kind of judgment that you would maybe in a different city. Does that kind of feel liberating as an artist? I would say so. I, I'm not even sure I think about it like right, that. Sure. <laughs> um, it's, it's having the opportunity to um, work with artists I wouldn't ordinarily um, have the exposure to or get to work with. Mm-hmm. Um, having the opportunity to collaborate with musicians and with composers right. that I wouldn't normally get to, um, and then having this energy here that Damien's talking about that is unique to Vale, mm-hmm. um, and it's you you have your opportunities to work inside the studio, but then you walk outside, and I'm watching our dancers walk outside right now. <laughs> and, um, I didn't even know them until I rode up in the car with one of them here, and I'm uh-huh. already so enamored with the way she dances, and uh-huh. I'm watching Chris Grant now, and he is just this bubble of energy that is truly inspiring and I'm watching Tyler Peck you know craft him in her new work mm-hmm. um, and she's creating work for the first time and I'm watching the way she works and I can go to the next studio and watch Justin Peck make something right. so there's the immediate sense of yes I have a work to create but then there's everything outside of that mm-hmm. and how that influences the next thing I do absolutely so Damien when did you first become aware of Claudia's choreographic talents uh back at Harvard Mm-hmm. She did a, uh, a piece, I remember, uh, to a Philip Glass score, which I don't remember which score it was, but I remember <laughs> it was just so clear that, you know, she was just so talented and had such a clear sense of uh, purpose mm-hmm. and intention in what she was doing. And so it, it was in my mind, it was lodged, and as time went on, I watched her develop uh, on, on other, you know, small-scale things, getting bigger, getting bigger. And we obviously kept in touch over the years. And uh, I should say, Claudia works with me on a lot of different projects, mm-hmm. uh, everything from Kennedy Center Honors to work at Jazz at Lincoln Center, uh, and uh, has been a, a real part of uh, projects uh, in, the, in the greater world with me. Right. Yeah. 
So we were um, at San Francisco Ballet earlier in, in April, and we were there with, for their Unbound Festival. There were lots of choreographers in one place at one time, and we were talking to the choreographers about how unique that is, because so often as a choreographer, you're kind of on your own, mm-hmm. right? So how, for you, do you enjoy having Justin Peck here and all these other choreographers around to kind of you know, commiserate with and talk with and learn from. How does like that... The choreographer's club. That doesn't happen Yeah, it often. never happens, right? <laughs> no, it doesn't. Um, I, much like I was saying before, it's just this um, access that you usually don't have. We're working mm-hmm. in the Vail Mountain School, um, and to get to one uh, studio, you kind of have to go through two others, and the interns are sitting there, and I'm, I'm, oh God, I love watching the interns watch, because I see myself from, you know, uh-huh. 10, 11 years ago. Um and so, yes, you can connect with the choreographers, but there's everyone's on an even plane here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's something that I, I really value. Mm-hmm. Um, that, I mean, I, I idolize Justin, and yet, you know, we're just kind of sitting next to each other and yeah. watching, like, Alicia Graf Mack do her thing, mm-hmm. and then she talks to me, and then we go off and have lunch with, you know, uh, Melissa um, Too Good and, and Michelle Dorrance. And, um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I just end up name dropping. That's all I'm yeah. doing right now. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, I'm just so enamored by all of it. Uh, um, but I think the but feeling is, is so mutual amongst the artists, right? Yeah. I hear that anyone we talk to, Justin, it was like so, um, so excited and uh, a little starstruck being with Michelle Dorrance in a premiere recently. And then um, two ABT principals made their premiere in one of Justin's works last night, Increases, Devin Tusher and Isabella Boylston. And they were calling extra rehearsals for themselves because they wanted, they just really wanted to be good in the work. They wanted Justin to be happy with them. So I think it, it goes across all the artists. I'm sure that they're saying the same things about you. Like, I, oh, do you see Claudia's new work? Like her sense of craft and that sort of thing. Everyone draws from one another, right? It's Absolutely. a pretty incredible yeah. thing. There've been like, you know, that what's that quote? You know, it's the only, you love the cr- truly crazy people. Uh, <laughs> uh, that has become such a thing that, that you never know where it's going to come from, and there's always an added factor in some way. I remember the first time Bill Irwin came here, and I asked Bill to come, and it was so unclear what was going to happen. You know, mm-hmm. and we collaborated <laughs> on different things, and he arrived as he does. I mean, he is a clown with the enormous <laughs> bag full of things, and they just kept coming out, the big shoes and the this and the wigs and the things, and it started to create different, uh, a completely different twist in that festival year. Mm-hmm. And that's the this kind of... It's an equalizer, I guess. Yeah. Everybody's kind of a little bit without a net. Um, <laughs> and there's, you know, for me, I've always been so passionate about, you know, the, the, the interplay of things, how things mm-hmm. come together. And w- the way Claudia just described it about the different rooms is everything I ever hoped for. Plus, you know, mm-hmm. the music, how the music echoes between room to room and how they inform each other. Yeah. And I think now we've kind of taken that to one one more step with, you know, adding commissions of new music here. Uh, and it's most especially with Caroline Shaw, who's mm-hmm. such right. a force for uh, the range of possibility within yeah. music. It's beyond music. It's theater. It's like, right. what, what is that possibility? Uh-huh. So, um, Claudia, for you, this is your third year creating at the mm-hmm. festival. So how do you feel like your work has evolved over those three years? And maybe not just at the festival, but also in some of your other works that you're doing? Um, I, I think a lot about um, how much Heather and Damien push me mm-hmm. and... Um, kind of take me outside of my comfort zone the best way possible. Mm -hmm. And I see it because when I go back to New York and I create work on, whether it's my dancers or other companies or other schools, the way that I uh, think about music, think about creating, and think about how I work in the studio with my dancers is completely different. Mm 
um, and in particular, so with this uh, current commission, for it's a co-commission um, from Damien and Valley Hispanico. Um, I'm working with this really cool, crazy score by this amazing composer named Gabriela Elena Frank. And it's unlike anything I ever touched before. Mm. And I ended up kind of thinking about it and listening to it over and over again. But then when I started to create the piece, um, I created it from this uh, sort of organic place that came not from trying to uh, kind of overanalyze the structure, which is something Damien's been having me work on. <laughs> it came from a much more kind of work ground. Work not doing. To reverse that. I tried to think more about just internalizing the, the, the movement quality and connecting the pieces and how I related to the dancers instead of just uh, kind of micromanaging the music. Mm -hmm. Sure. And... Uh, that was something that we've been talking about for a number of years, and sometimes I think I'm getting there, and then Damien will say, well, I'm not quite. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, she, Claudia had to kind of wrestle the beast in this one because as is the nature of commissioned music, it's commissioned. You don't know when it's going to arrive right. sometimes, and it, she didn't have the same amount of time as she normally would. Right. And this was a, a brand-new commission, uh, which the festival did uh, with Brooklyn Rider, our mm -hmm. amazing string quartet, which has been so... Uh, important in how music has filtered into this festival over the last years and this is just the latest example where you know and I think Claudia you only got the music shortly time before you really could start mm -hmm. so that worked that was good <laughs> <laughs> and I know it's, it's, in a way it's exactly what Damien wanted and uh -huh. I realized that's what I really needed right mm -hmm. um, but I didn't realize that until I was kind of in the process and uh, I am just I can feel like I, I step outside the studio and then I start to think about the next piece I'm making and all of a sudden the way in which I'm conceiving it is um, coming from a different place. Mm -hmm. And that's priceless. That kind of education you can't get just by, you know, do, doing it on your own. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that use of music, uh, you know, as a, as a dancer and as someone who produces and choreographs and does the things that, you know, put it all together. I loved watching this year, especially how the Merce Cunningham scenario fit into mm -hmm. this because uh, so many of the dancers had not danced Merce. So many of them had not I mean, really, it was new. So they immersed themselves in it. And the final step of the immersion in Merce Cunningham is the real realization that you don't know what the music is, yeah. uh, literally till the day of the performance that was the first time they heard the score. And so understanding as a dancer that there's another way to approach your relationship to music was, I think, really a, an important step for many of those dancers. And it was important for me to watch it, frankly, to just to see how that could come together. Yeah. Uh, and it relates to this conversation about Claudia, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. So um, you've already started to touch upon what uh, your approach is to programming, because obviously you're trying to push each one of the festival's artists. But um, how do you decide specific works that you, you will be doing, existing works, and then which choreographers do you think need to be brought in to help push the dancers? You know, it's, 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 I'd like to say that it's really planned out. Um, and certainly there are elements that I think way ahead about. You know, I mm -hmm. think, for instance, when I think about... Uh, Caroline, who I pursued as a you know to be our first composer in residence, mm -hmm. that was a, a multi-year process to get to that place, and but then, who knew where it was going to go? I mean, mm -hmm. last year she came out, uh, and literally it was meant to be she was going to come out and uh, observe, essentially mm -hmm. get the feel and see what it was going to be like. So then she could kind of see what it was going to be that she would compose. And by the time she got here, there were two of her works being worked on that were going to be, and she was in the room working on Lauren Lovett's ballet with uh -huh. her. 
Uh, and it just it's about laying groundwork mm -hmm. as much as anything else to, to put the ingredients on the table. I used to think of that in class when I would take class and it was with if it was with a teacher I wasn't completely taken with. I would think of it as Iron <laughs> Chef. It's like there's the ingredients are all here. What uh -huh. can we do with these ingredients? <laughs> and there's something about that that you know the, the planning is about individuals and mm -hmm. their their opportunities and next steps. So I think about someone like Pam Tanowitz, who's choreographed a couple of times and had uh, a Vail premiere this year uh, of the piece we did in DC last, last winter. And Pam has come here and it was very specifically about putting Pam in contact with ballet dancers and modern dancers and mm -hmm. how that would affect her craft. And that was, that was the point mm -hmm. and that was enough. Right. And then, to, then it became about the music and what we could do. Uh, here that we couldn't do somewhere else maybe mm -hmm. you know what's the uh, unique opportunity for someone like Pam and that just goes on and on and on from there mm -hmm. yeah. yeah I really to me as an outsider it feels like you're taking time with each individual it looks like you've gone through their rep and said okay for instance Roman mm -hmm. um, well. you know he's 18 years old <laughs> and he's I mean he just has all the potential in the world he's brilliant and you thought okay so he probably he needs to to do something that'll push his partnering a little but let's put him in you know chai pot he has the, the paw with Tyler, mm -hmm. who, I mean, she's, she could partner herself. So it's like a, a baby <laughs> step towards it. And then he, he also has his moments of uh, virtuosic brilliance. So he has something for him, but something to push him to. And then for Tyler, who, you know, was one of the most brilliant dancers on the planet, you might look at her career at New York City Valley and say, well, okay, she has it all. But then you are still able to find ways to push her. You put her in Chacon, which is often done by a tall ballerina. I don't think I've ever seen someone petite do it. And But Tyler's musicality is what made, makes that connection work. Yeah, I think, you know, there are certain artists who are obviously associated with, with Vale, Tyler, Little Buck, Hermann, mm -hmm. others, you know, who come here year after year. And it's very much... Uh, a chance to see what 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 can they do they haven't done so for instance Tyler this year you mentioned uh, Chacon but also Billy Forsyth mm -hmm. never danced right. the Forsyth work yeah. mm -hmm. and we picked something uh, I talked to Billy and I said I have this video that I've been hoarding and mm -hmm. I know it <laughs> and I think this is the most musical little gem and it should be for Tyler mm -hmm. and he immediately got that and that became the process and that was something to do right uh, same thing with Harriman and suite of dances or last year Harriman the first time he danced Merce Cunningham I remember if when Hermann was our official artist in residence, which is a thing that goes on like composer in residence, but it's like once you're in, you're always in. Yeah. You know, it's not like it expires. Uh, but when he was like really it, so to speak, you know, uh, he danced with Martha Graham. And mm -hmm. I just have never gotten over watching Hermann in that frame. Mm -hmm. His level of seriousness and intentional movement uh, shows in the Merce as well. So I really wanted to get him in that thing mm -hmm. uh, with Melissa too good. Yeah. Uh, so again, it's like looking for that. What's next? What's next for him? Yeah. yeah. Do, I feel like you're always hoarding little gems because they, they come out <laughs> like things. I mean, even just like William Tell, like I love that pot of that. And you don't, sweet, it's not something it? you think of. So great. But um, that was my workshop at SAB. It was SAB. just, it was just so right. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. and then you have the, like that, you know, Roman's such a bunhead. He was like, I know in the video of Darcy and Eve, like, I don't know if we'll be as good as them. And <laughs> yeah. so cute. I mean, Roman is just such a great kid. You mm -hmm. know, he's, uh, last year when he first came here, he wasn't even in the company. Mm -hmm. I mean, I remember it was yeah. like a thing uh, in the program book. Like, what do you say? You know, it's like School of American Ballet. You know, yeah. it's, it seems like child labor or yeah. something. It's <laughs> very strange, you know. But, but it was like, okay, so like you said, what's the on-ramp there? So last mm -hmm. year it was Tarantella. Mm -hmm. thought okay he can work on this I can work on it with him 
Uh, I spent a lot of time in the room with him, but then also Matt Neenan was doing a new piece and it just seemed right. Give him a chance to kind of explore with a choreographer and that was just these beautiful two things he worked on and that yeah. was enough. And then this year, of course, let's add the partnering. Yeah. Let's see what's next for Roman there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I remember last year, actually, the unexpected was Michelle. You know, suddenly I heard oh, that yeah. Roman was in Michelle's piece. So I was like, hey, what? And uh, the quote was, I heard that Michelle was in a rehearsal and she said, is there a Roman here? You know, and next thing you know, there he was, you uh-huh. know, in tap shoes. <laughs> Amazing. So Vail has become known for these cross-company collaborations and these partnerships that you're speaking of. So what do you look for um, to make, to create a fruitful partnership and how do you help foster that? Well, you know, I remember my brother telling me he's a partner in McKinsey, so that's like you know a whole other world there. <laughs> but he said, you know, never, you know, always take half of what you're, you know, really confident in and that, that you own, and then layer that with another half that's very risky, and that's mm-hmm. where you get that that next step for people. Mm-hmm. So I never try to just put anybody completely out of their comfort zone. I say, you know, there's a base here, and then we can expand further. Um, and then there's sort of a principle that. Um, now I'm going to start name dropping too. Uh, <laughs> Yo-Yo Ma, who I do a lot of work with and has influenced me tremendously, he calls it the edge effect. And mm-hmm. he says it's, you know, when you put the, you know, the forest next to the savanna, that overlap of those two is where the greatest biodiversity happens. Mm-hmm. So it's not to diminish the forest or the, or the savanna. Uh-huh. It's there, but it's that, that chance to rub up against. And it's the way Claudia described those two studios, you know, what mm-hmm. can you yeah. do? And so when I look at, you know, artists, I think, you know, what's there? You know, it was like Caroline and Little Buck this year. Mm-hmm. You know, oh it was gosh. made to happen. It yeah. just had to happen. Uh, and on the other hand, Caroline creating uh, a new composition for Justin to choreograph. Okay. That's, you know, seems. Mm-hmm. And yet, you know, we spent, you know, lots of coffees in New York talking, you know, three of us about what it could be, what the, what the ideas were. And I think in your podcast, they probably talked a little bit about mm-hmm. verticality and, yes. you know, yes. that idea. Yeah. And watching that conversation get rich was mm-hmm. just like, okay, we've created a common ground, and yeah. now let's let's mm-hmm. see what happens. Yeah. And I can't imagine that they won't work together again. I mean, they just seem so enamored with each right. other. It's J- so Justin cool. Justin said he's already trying. He's like, how am I going to get Caroline again? <laughs> yeah, so. we've been talking about the the Partita for Eight Voices, the piece you won <gasps> the Love Pulitzer uh, for. And, right. uh, it's amazing. So we'll see what goes on there. Yeah. Wonderful. So um, Claudia as a choreographer and Damien as an artistic director here at the has to coordinate dancers. What do you guys look for in a dancer? What, what makes you uh, interested in specific dancers? Uh, I think having a sense of curiosity is paramount. Um, having the sense of community that we've been talking about um, and having a willingness to kind of try things that aren't quite within the comfort zone. Mm-hmm. Um, but still uh, creatively interesting. Mm-hmm. And some of my favorite works that I've made have been, um, for lack of a better term, perhaps with amateur dancers, like students, younger, right. younger dancers. Uh, but there's this hunger and this passion and this drive to just kind of be present in the moment mm-hmm. that uh, informs what I do. And I have found some of my favorite works and, and created some of my favorite works through this, that sort of process mm-hmm. where um, I don't feel as though I have to apologize for every step that I make, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. even if it's not the right one at the time. Yeah. <laughs> so no apologies. Al- yeah, no apologies. <laughs> so it's almost more a personality thing to look for mm-hmm. that drive that they have. Yeah. For me, uh, musicality and uh, heart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just a sense of you know risk and a basis of understanding somehow something extra nuanced about music that mm-hmm. it's not a it's not accompaniment. 
Yes. And it's, it's, uh, it's in, you know, I think all the dancers that I work with possess those qualities. <coughs> mm -hmm. right. I was just going to follow up with Claudia because I think it's interesting. Um, Caroline talked about this, how sometimes um, slightly limiting your resources. So in that case, you know, limiting maybe the range of talent um, can actually enhance your work. She said limiting time is good for her. Mm -hmm. You know, having oceans of time, which might seem like a good thing, actually doesn't get the artistic impulse moving. So do you feel that way? Do you feel like um, some limitations, setting parameters actually keep your work tighter? Absolutely. Um, I think if you have limitless uh, possibilities, it feels crushing sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, deadlines are great. Yeah. <laughs> Those always yeah. help too. That's what she said too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I think rather than thinking about it as um, a, a problem, mm -hmm. I think having these limitations uh, allow you to really hone in on what exactly it is you're trying to get at. Mm -hmm. And whether it's a question of really digging into the music or really finding that special something about a dancer, whether they're a student or on the, on the, on the world stage, um, it's having the ability to connect with the essence of the thing you're trying to make at that time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I, I love kind of having those little light bulb moments, yeah. mm -hmm. whether it's you know while listening to the music or being in the studio or watching something on stage and realizing, oh, that's what I was trying to do. Next time I work on it, that's really what I'm going to focus on and, right. and make better. Right. Can you give us a little preview of your ballet on, that we're going to be seeing tomorrow night? Absolutely. Uh, so it's a duet uh, with two dancers, Christopher Bloom and Dandara Vega. Mm -hmm. uh, and it is, as I mentioned before, by Gabriela Lena Frank, mm -hmm. performed by Brooklyn Rider, which I'm so excited about. Yeah. Oh, wonderful. I just uh, absolutely love them. <laughs> um, and uh, I'm just excited to do it. It has, it has a, a movement quality that I've been trying to develop. It is more grounded. And um, my, my favorite thing about working with these dancers is that we had a full week in the studio mm -hmm. back in New York at the Ballet Hispanico Studios. And they were so open to trying things. Mm -hmm. And we had a number of hours each day where instead of me coming in and saying, okay, this is what we're gonna try, we're gonna take this piece and connect it, and this piece and connect it, and this piece and connect it, we just started fresh. And I didn't have anything set in stone, mm -hmm. which is not like me <laughs> at all. <laughs> and we started from step one and we went from there. And it developed in this collaborative way and I was still very much in charge of what the ultimate uh, product was but it was the way in which we got there that mm -hmm. I found really enriching. Yeah, mm -hmm. great. So Damien as director here and Claudia as one of the festival's frequent um, contributors, how do you both hope to continue to push the envelope artistically in coming years? Well, for me, it's like the assembly of the ingredients and then finding ways to always uh, have an inflection point of some kind and you know, the biggest you know, opportunities for me have been about creating collaborations and then uh, quite specifically being uh, kind of the musical musiturge. I don't know, is that a word? <laughs> Dramaturge? <laughs> like, like being, you know, uh, with, with uh. Claudia, for instance, this year and last year, lots of conversations about the music and I've pushed her in different directions that I thought were important for her. Mm -hmm. uh, this commission by Gabriela Frank and last year with Bernstein you know, finding ways to extend someone's reach uh, beyond mm -hmm. what might just be ordinary. I remember last year we mentioned Lauren Lovett's ballet, which she had, she had come to me with the idea of using spoken word, and I thought that's a really brave choice, and I like that. Mm -hmm. And so we talked about what spoken word, and in the end she, she didn't know exactly where she was going musically, and Caroline Shaw's 
marvelous apparition of music appeared, and so I was able to help uh, mastermind mm -hmm. that. So to me, that's the that's my my thing. I want to create that opportunity to bring people together and then be in that role that that can twist the the thing just one more step in the right direction. Mm -hmm. Right. How about for you, Claudia? I'm just trying to do as <laughs> best I can to keep up, really. <laughs> 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 But I, I think it's it's uh, internalizing what Damien just said and really taking it to heart and taking it outside of the mountains of Vale so that by the time we come back, uh, we have, you know, we've, we've become to a different place. Mm -hmm. And every time I return here, I feel change. And it's, yes, it's the two weeks here and then it's everything else outside of it. And I like to think of this as this magical summer camp um, <laughs> where you, everyone's your best friend by the end. But the difference is that once you leave, all of those relationships are there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And all of these partnerships and these friendships and these kind of this, this, this love grows. And it's really, it's a real thing. And, um, you know, I've worked with dancers like I worked with Calvin Royal um, this uh, past spring on this project I did. And it's because I, of the relationship that I um, grew with him here, right. and it was one of the, the best things I've ever done. I just, I, it, it was um, a really enjoyable experience for me, and that's the kind of stuff that I see Damien growing. That's the mm -hmm. kind of stuff that I want to keep working mm -hmm. toward. I think that's an important thing for me too. I have to say, the idea that it goes on from here—it's—it mm -hmm. mm -hmm. would be such a. Sometimes I, I wrestle with this, actually. I say, my God, all of this in one performance. My mm -hmm. God, you know. Right, right. But it goes on in lots of different ways. Some of it literal. You know, some of it, these pieces go out and they get performed again in different ways. But other things about it are just personal to these artists that they make these relationships and it goes on and that's so worth it. Mm -hmm. um, I remember, like, you know, Michelle Dorrance is, you know, this is <laughs> serious. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, in every possible way. But I remember when I we started talking about her coming to the festival, I was really curious about what, what, what is the next step for a Michelle Dorrance who's already, you know, in that extraordinary space. And it turned out it was this piece one, two, three, four, five, six at that moment, which gave her the chance to work with Little Buck, Robbie Fairchild, mm -hmm. and Melissa Toogood all in one space. And it was driven. I said, you're the driver, you're the engine, mm -hmm. you know, and you're going you're gonna to be the music and we're gonna get from there. And that was just such a wonderful kind of microcosm. And that piece has gone on, and mm -hmm. I love that. But it's really about that idea that, mm -hmm. you know, the next step for her was the next year to work with all of those people on a grand scale. Right. Or Bill Irwin, as I mentioned, you know, the idea that, you know, what do you take, you know, uh, uh, he, he framed this very well. He said, listen, I'm at this stage in my life, you know, and I like to think that maybe I could relate to somebody at a different stage mm -hmm. and that turned out to be Tyler right. Peck mm -hmm. and that became time it was and it was about time but in all senses of the word we uh, we ended up making a metronome score mm -hmm. but it was really about the fact that Bill was 40 years senior to her mm -hmm. and how do these things exist in time mm -hmm. amazing yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so something that um, struck me was that Damien is obviously helping to sort of mentor you choreographically that's not something that I feel happens often. You don't go to school to become a choreographer. Mm -hmm. It's kind of just, it's not as um, formal as a, a ballet dancer's education. It's kind of like, oh, try this out. You know, maybe there's a choreographic workshop here or there, but um, to have someone to really advise you, mm -hmm. what, what is that, how is that valuable to you versus just kind of trying everything out on your own? It's invaluable. Yeah. Uh, I, I just simply wouldn't be the artist that I am without having that. Um, and the, there's, there's two components to it. There's the artistic element, which is really just f honing the craft itself, uh, and then there's everything outside of it and watching Damien be 
the artistic director. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he's on the ground level in the dirt every day in the most profound ways possible, making sure that um, not only that things run smoothly, but mm-hmm. then they run at the level that he envisions. Right. And that's really inspiring. And it influences not only the work that I do in the studio, but everything outside of it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and Michael, you danced for me last year <laughs> for the next time. There's, um, there's something about watching the way Damien manages the, the company, both with the way the dancers are um, treated, the way the production side is treated, um, the, down to the interns. Um, it's, it, 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 sh- it really um, shows how important it is to value all elements of mm-hmm. the, uh, the creative process and just managing in general. Mm-hmm. And that has then influenced how I interact with my dancers in the studio because you have a sense of command. Right. Um, because you're kind of thinking about all pieces at, at all times. Mm-hmm. So just to wrap this up on our end, um, what's next for both of you? What comes after Vail? Mm-hmm. Uh, after this, I'll be returning to New York. I have a commission with the Dance Theater of Harlem Yay. that will <laughs> premiere mm-hmm. in uh, 2019. Wonderful. Start with that. So Mayor for that. Thank you. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> Damien? Well, um, July 1, I be officially became president at Juilliard. Wonderful. Uh, and deep in that world, uh, which relates very much to this conversation, it's about mm-hmm. creating generative opportunities for learning. Uh, so I will be, you know, starting as president with a new class in September. And I couldn't be more excited to, to, to take all of this, this energy uh, about, you know, what are those next steps to that framework. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, our, you know, on the other kind of more producer artistic side, uh, created something, uh, was it a year and a half ago, mm-hmm. uh, for Wynton Marsalis called Spaces at Jazz Lincoln Center with mm-hmm. Lil Buck and Jared Grimes. Uh, and that's going to be back at Jazz at Lincoln Center, and Claudia's going to stage that. She was my assistant on Amazing. that. Wonderful. Uh, <laughs> so that'll be in mid-September uh, with Great. those guys. And, uh, you know, just really launching, you know, into the world, that, that spirit. Mm-hmm. It's too bad you guys aren't busy. <laughs> 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 All right, any questions from a yes? Claudia, the name Schreier is something I would associate more with Schublatten than with Spanish flamenco. <laughs> so that must have started early. How, how did your interest in that start? Interest in... Um, in, in the style of dance that you do. Yes, well, my parents are actually here, mind <laughs> <laughs> you. Um, I, I come from a multiracial background. Uh, my mother was born in Jamaica. My, bro- my father is um, of uh, Eastern European origin. And so I've, you know, I grew up with a lot of classical music in the home. And I grew up with a lot of reggae and soca and all of that. Mm-hmm. And I've had a lot of conversations with Heather and Damien over the years about identity and what it means to be a ballet dancer of, of mixed race. And um, that's something that I'm still you know, kind of learning and coming to terms with and embracing both sides of myself. And so when I, uh, you know, listen to music that has this really rhythmic beat or has um, this driving energy. I'm wondering where it's coming from because I've always been this very timid bunhead, but there's something in me that just makes me want to just grab it and go. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel it when I'm listening to, um, to soca and reggae. I just, oh, God, I love it. And so I feel like there's this visceral thing that I'm trying to uh, kind of pull out of myself that stems from, from way back. Yes. Right here. Talk about um, choreo- 
asking that you be gone too for joy because of what you're doing here. Or can you give the answers in the silent language? It, for me, it, it comes from you know what I said about my own career as a dancer. I, I relished the opportunity to to cross lines. You know, I would always uh, do gigs with uh, Paloma Herrera or Julie Kent from ABT, and you know that was a chance to kind of extend my own reach in different ways. And I learned so much from them. Uh, and I look for that for the dancers. I mean, like last night, you know, to have Tyler do Chacon for the first time, great. Mm -hmm. What about Corey? Oh wow, so well suited to that. Never would, he would never have that opportunity to do that at ABT. Let's put them together and you have something that's a true kind of uh, opportunity, I guess. I remember the same thing with Erman putting him into rubies, uh, Balanchine's rubies. He's just born to do rubies, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. he's like, let's make sure he does it. And he first, he did the Pado with Lauren, I remember, and that was a new partnership. And then they went on to dance together and they still do in different things, both for me and in the outside world. And then in the full ballet with Tyler. Uh, who, oddly enough, does it, has not danced that at City Valley. So this was like had to happen, mm -hmm. you know, and the two of them together. So these, these partnerships are made from a number of angles, but it's really kind of crimes of opportunity. Got to do it kind <laughs> of feeling. Got to do it. <laughs> and you want to know about the um, way I choose my dancers for this project? The dancers which would be within the sense of the joy, sense of the vibe, mm -hmm. the sense of what they're doing, the dance, the yeah, I mean, it, it, it comes about in a, a similar way. It's exposure, it's... Um, going to performances, watching dancers, um, finding people through through friends, the collaborations, um, chance opportunities. This one in particular is a co-commission, and so it was arranged um, between Damien and the Vale Dance Festival and Ballet Hispanico. And I had uh, the opportunity to work with four dancers over the course of one week and then see which couple I really felt connected most deeply with the work we were making. Uh, which was a new process for me, and I really enjoyed being able to watch the work develop in two distinctly different ways, um, both of which I, I enjoyed. Um, and so you're just kind of learning about yourself through working with others and seeing what sticks and seeing which dancer uh, most closely emulates what you're trying to get out there. Yes. Macro question there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, it's people. In the end, these are individuals, and we make a community in this in this space, and we try and make communities in all the things we do. And the ideas around that have, if you look at history, there are eras of this, when things are more fertile and when things are more narrow, wide and narrow. And I think that this is a wide space for creativity. And I do think that filters back through the dancers and through the choreographers and, and the musicians who work here. Because, you know, the, the probably the dirty secret about this, it's pretty fun. You know, <laughs> it's, it's a lot of work and it's rigorous and it's hard. But it's the kind of heart that you, you crave, and it's, it's, it's fun. So I think that it takes that, it does take that back. And you know, whether it's uh, Michelle Dorrance, who has her own company, uh, or Justin Peck, who as a choreographer has free reign at companies around the world, he brings and she bring what they, what the, what their, some of their experiences. And I think that that's the, that's the, the actual continuum that we can see. Mm -hmm. I, I kind of want to expand on that because I think that what you're doing is giving younger people um, a sense of um, ownership in what they do and a sense that um, you don't have to just wait in line until you're retired and then you, I guess, figure it out then mm -hmm. that we can, um, you know, partake in, in we can have our own voice uh, at an earlier time. And I think that that's really valuable because that's something that is 
It's been really difficult to um, move past in the ballet world. It, it is a little staid in that way. So um, by you empowering younger people, they take that back into whatever respective companies they're working with, and that can kind of permeate that culture. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, that is so right. Um, there's, there's, to me, development of voice is crucial in all this, and we haven't used that word till now, but that's a big part of this, that everybody has a song to sing, and you have to find a way to give them that opportunity. I mean, I often say, and this relates very much to training, if you will, or education in a wider sense, is that did you come here to be merely correct, to be merely right? Mm-hmm. Is it about you know, being in the right dots, or is it actually about saying something? And you know, whether you're a dancer, a musician, an actor, a painter, you know, developing that voice as an artist is crucial to actually having what you would call a real impact. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I try and infuse that in everything I do with the young dancers, that they, it's an obligation to develop your voice. And, you know, again, is it just to be good? Yeah. No. Right. <laughs> it's actually <laughs> to say something, you know, mm-hmm. so there's right. that. And I think along the same lines, too, in company life, there aren't always these kind of mixed repertoire programs like we've seen over the past two nights for we saw like 10 works, <laughs> right? Yeah. And so many opportunities so, for so many different dancers. So sometimes you're in company life, you have to wait in line and there's certain programming and that sort of thing. And when the dancers come here, they get that chance to get outside of their box mm-hmm. and take that back home and take the things that they've learned. That's something that we hear most often from the dancers we speak with. Any other questions? Uh, that's a great question. Um, I yeah, I absolutely went to school thinking I'd never dance again, um, and my poor parents <laughs> had to sit through me applying to fourteen uh, colleges. Um, and Harvard was the only one that didn't have a dance major or minor. And so at the point when I was applying to schools, I still had the mentality of wanting to be a dancer, even though I knew that I wasn't really going to make it um, in a professional ballet company. I was still maintaining that identity and didn't want to give it up. Um, and when Harvard came along, okay, I gotta go now. <laughs> I can't turn that down. Um, so I just kind of, I, I knew that there was a student run ballet company, the Harvard Ballet Company. There was the Harvard Dance Center run by Elizabeth Bergman. Um, <clears throat> there was the Harvard Contemporary Dance Ensemble. And the words modern and contemporary terrified me at the time. So I thought, I want no part of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I got there, it was really, it was. It's the reason I'm here now, and I like to say that I am a choreographer, uh, not in spite of having gone to college, but because of it. And between the exposure I got through courses with, you know, Heather um, learning about Balanchine, uh, Christine Dakin learning about Graham, Jennifer Scanlon learning about Lamone, Ruth Andrian learning about Taylor, um, this was all extracurricular. Some of the courses you took for credit, a lot of it was just on your own time mm-hmm. after you uh, went to classes and did your, your standard academic work. Um, but the richness of the education I got there was unparalleled, and it was something I probably wouldn't have had otherwise. Um, but on top of that, I had a liberal arts education, and I studied sociology, and I felt as though by the time I left, I was more well-rounded. And I, I truly value that. Um, and so in the background, I had the opportunity to create works for my peers. And uh, the dance department and the Harvard Ballet Company gave multiple opportunities each semester for their students to choreograph on dancers. 
And I happened to be there at a time when a lot of my uh, colleagues were either um, on the cusp of dancing professionally, had danced professionally, needed to take time off. Um, there was just a, a wealth of talent and like a hunger to dance there that I was extremely lucky to have at the time. And so when I created uh, a sub some works, including the one that Damien mentioned, um, to Philip Glass's Violin Concerto, the first movement, um, I, that was my senior year of college, and my uh, advisors were saying, well, you should really write about ballet, because that's what you do. And I had no desire to sit there and write about it. Mm -hmm. I wanted to do it. I just, I just remember <laughs> thinking, like, I don't want to be sitting at a computer for hours on end until 4 o'clock in the morning. I did that anyway. But I just really didn't hear members. We could talk about that. Yeah, it's yeah. a little short. Um, but I just I felt this drive to just make something. And I just remember being in my dorm room and letting my arms flail around and smacking things over. And mm -hmm. I made this piece, and it just felt right. Something about it just felt right. That was really what I wanted to do. And, um, you know, I, it's, it was opportunity. I didn't have anyone in the outside world saying, well, you're a female black choreographer. How dare you think about entering into a profession that's dominated by white men? I didn't have to think about it. I just did it. And by the time I got here, I went, oh, okay, well, I guess this is, this is truly a societal issue. Um, but I was very lucky to not have felt that pressure at, at the age that I did because mm -hmm. I was able to create um, without... The, the external pressures of feeling like I, w I didn't really belong. And um, that continued. And so while I, I worked for Alvin Ailey for seven years in marketing, and all the while I just was finding opportunities with, again, with student-run companies like Columbia Ballet Collaborative uh, to just make because I felt compelled to. And uh, I think it was that drive that kind of carried me through. It wasn't the idea of wanting to be a professional choreographer. It was the idea of wanting to choreograph. And that was the difference for me. We have time for one more, maybe, if there is one. No? All right. Well, we'll, we'll send you. you guys off into your day. Thank you so much for joining us. And we hope that you come see Claudia's premiere tomorrow night at uh, Now Premieres. Thank, Thank you, you, Claudia. And Thank Daniel. you guys for joining us. Thank you, Rebecca. Thank you, Rebecca. Thank you for joining us for this special episode from the Vail Dance Festival. While we are here in Vail, we will be recording live events like this one and recording interviews with festival artists. Subscribe to Conversations on Dance through Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app to be notified when new content from Vail is published. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter for behind-the-scenes content. This episode was brought to you by the Town of Vail, a sponsor helping to host the Vail Dance Festival in our community. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.